I'm Jason Ariola. And I'm Dominic Chavis, and this is Rock Out With Your Card Out. It's still hot outside and everything, so uh, we're gonna go ahead and maybe do some music on a game that's gonna cool you down. I don't, I, I don't really know how else to kind of transition to talking about uh, <laughs> what we're gonna be talking about this week, but it is gonna be Lost Planet Extreme Condition. This was a very early 360 game. Ended up coming out on like PC and 360 or and uh, PS3 a little bit later, but this one was one that kind of stuck out pretty early because it just looked amazing at the time. Uh, going back to it it's a little rougher around the edges. You can definitely see it's a transitionary period for Capcom from the PS2 generation to the HD generation. You kind of see some of the character model stuff look a little, eh, not great. And some of the shortcuts they used here and there. But all in all, this was like, I think Capcom's first or second uh, attempt at a like HD game. And it came out looking really good. And I remember liking the soundtrack quite a bit. And I sort of digging into it a little bit. And I was like, yeah, you know, let's go back to this. Let's cover this thing. <laughs> So, uh, Dominic, since this was around your era of when you were probably playing games a little bit more heavily, did you uh, happen to check out Lost Planet at all? I played a little bit of it. Didn't really get too far into the game. Um, the whole reason why I picked it up uh, were actually it was actually because of the you know the graphics. The game looked amazing back in the day. Mm. But I agree with you now. Uh, you go back to it; it's really not that great. Of course, you know it's just kind of how every game ages. They always upgrade the graphics, but as far as gameplay goes, I don't really remember too much on it don't really know what the game was about <laughs> like i said i played maybe 15 20 minutes of it total oh wow okay yeah i played it for a few hours and actually i think i got near beating it and i kind of fired it back up on the xbox one because it's backwards compatible and going back to it now like on a you know gigantic uh you know 4k hdr enabled tv you kind of look at it you start seeing a lot of the flaws and you're like this this isn't as pretty as i remember well i'm not at 4k yet but uh yeah i remember uh, booting it up not too long ago and i wasn't impressed <laughs> yeah yeah i think this is one of those games that might do a little bit better on like a say like 32 inch uh, hd tv or something like that no it doesn't do that good believe me oh okay exactly never mind what I'm never mind <laughs> <laughs> Whoopsie doodle. Okay, well let me let, let me warn you then. Uh, two two times that screen size doesn't help it either. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, anyway, the composer for this was Jamie Christopherson. He hasn't done too much in the way of video games, but the other soundtrack of note that he's done is Metal Gear Rising: Revengeance. And over the course of this soundtrack, including some of the stuff we're going to talk about for our bonus event, that is also going to be Lost Planet music. You can almost hear some of the tones that he ends up going for in Metal Gear Solid Rising. There's a lot of Metal Gear just vibe to some of these tracks. Not too many. I think there's only like one or two of the ones we're going to cover today. But all in all, like I don't know. 
there's something I want to get into at the end of this episode about us covering orchestral music, basically. And I don't want to get into it right now because it's sort of, it might weigh down the episode a little bit. But yeah, anyway, rather than, I guess, delay this part any further, why don't we go ahead and dig into the meat of this podcast and start listening to some music, huh? Let's do it. That's what the people are here for, right? Not us. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I, I mean, I, I hope, I hope, I hope. It's partly uh, us, because, man, it doesn't make a lot of sense when you can just listen to this stuff on YouTube. i got to stop telling people they can do that. Fuck. Keep your damn mouth shut. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, it would make for a very uh, uh, awkward podcast if I did that. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Jason, hey, are you there? Jason. Jason. Oh, fuck. Well, this is weird. <laughs> Hello? All right. Let's move on here. Okay. So the first two tracks we're going to listen to are the main theme and Wayne's theme slash title. So we'll listen to those two. We'll be right back.
Alright, first up was the main theme. The slow build to the main part of this track is something I can seriously get behind. The wind blowing effect in the string section both gradually increasing in volume, while the horn section getting added in about 34 seconds in makes for a fantastic crescendo right into the theme. It hits hard with this metallic percussion that makes me think of music from the Terminator. I remember us talking about that the other night, Dominic, and I couldn't quite place what the hell I was um, like remembering that sound from, and then it just like kind of hit me like um, like a terminator basically like it literally just <laughs> hit me like a terminator would punch you i was like oh that's right that's that's where i know that from <laughs> i felt real real dumb that one of my if not my favorite movie of all time is like you know it's like oh there's there's hints of the music from that so yeah i feel stupid anyway um having some of the orchestra in there with electronic stuff i think helps make this stand out remarkably well and this is a theme we're going to hear throughout this soundtrack which works for me because it's got a definite hook going for it as the theme mellows out a bit, a minute and 35 seconds in, an electronic park takes the forefront and really does a nice job transitioning to the theme sort of exploding again. I throw in some what I think is synthesized choral arrangements in about two minutes and five seconds in, and that just adds some real power to the track, and you've got me hooked. It goes out rather quietly, though, but it works for me because now I just want more. There's something about the percussion throughout this one, and I wish I knew what was being used for it, but that metallic, almost hollow sound is something I may not have noticed when I listened to the soundtrack for the first time, but it really helps drive this track. Hmm. You know, I'm really digging this eerie intro for the most part. Uh, When the track kicks in with the rhythm, you really seem to get a sense of where you're about to go in the game. Uh, You know, to a lost planet, obviously, with some extreme conditions. (laughs) I've never been a huge fan of that uh, triumphant sound, but, you know, this is okay. I think what wrote me back into it were the percussive sections that make their way into the mix at 116, and I think that was a great addition to that typical triumphant sound that was obtained near the, the beginning. Yeah, I really dig this one, and like I said, it's it's kind of weird. It definitely almost reeks of like movie music, effectively, and I think this is sort of that generation where a lot of soundtracks started embracing sounding more like a movie score than like video game music. You know, a lot of that stuff we've talked about before with you know, strong melodies and stuff like that for video game music is what makes it so memorable because you need something that's going to be catchy and not irritating to listen to for, you know, just hearing it looped and start from scratch every time you die or something like that. So having this kind of be maybe like on the three quarters of the way to that gap, basically, of sounding more like a movie score, I think, does it a little benefit where it's still it's still pretty memorable, but there's still some of that sort of, like I said, almost forgettable... Um, just orchestral arrangement stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. You know, I've never really thought about that. That, you know, when this game came out, came out that this that is around the the time that they you know started implementing these uh, the certain sounds that they're actually using. You know, orchestral. I I don't really know what this type of music would be called. Would you? Not a clue, man. It is this weird sort of mix of like almost like tribal and orchestral and like electronic stuff all kind of mixed in. So maybe there's no specific genre for it. It's a sort of, hmm. I don't know. Like if I was going to really pin down Lost Planet soundtrack, I would call it like an orchestral soundtrack because that's mostly what you're going to hear throughout. But there's a lot of elements in it that aren't that. So it's kind of, I don't know. It's in this weird middle ground of it's not quite there, but it, still has a lot of that there where you can kind of listen to it and just be like oh i don't really i don't remember a lot of it just because they're just those strong melodies aren't mm-hmm. there yeah to me it definitely seems like it has to be at least 75 percent orchestral everything else is kind of thrown in afterwards and just pretty much sums it all up to 100 yeah i think it's a good way of putting it it 
it's sort of like the like the orchestral stuff is there, and then they and sort of my interpretation of it is that they added some of that other stuff in there too to sort of give it a little bit more oomph, I guess. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, mm. that's cool. Anyway, <laughs> let's maybe 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 we should be hemming and hawing about the soundtrack as a whole. Uh, one track in here, I suppose. Yeah, right. Jeez. <laughs> uh, All right, let's move ahead and get onto Wayne's theme slash title. Uh, this is largely a rearrangement of the main theme. It's slowed down, has more of a melancholy feel to it, but it's obviously still there. The instrument choices here are wonderful. A strong string section and horn section with some strong percussion coming in here and there really sets the mood well. One of my favorite things in orchestral music is a song that has a powerful, mournful sound to it and then slowly builds back up to something a little bit more powerful. And when that moment hits for a few seconds, about 55 seconds in, it just gets me. I think the main theme is something that sticks out with me more long term. It has hooks to keep your mind on something in the track to make it more memorable. But this is one of those ones that when I hear it, I have to listen to it. It doesn't stick out as much, but as a guy who likes sad music, the feeling this one has going for it is too strong for me to ignore. <laughs> yeah, it's another strong emotional track uh, for you guys and gals. More impressive horns leading the way, and I noticed the percussions were only used to emphasize a very short but noticeable section, which uh, which was great because that helped highlight the peak of the track before it fades away almost as fast as the percussion section does. The track itself has a nice design to it, and there's a soft intro leading into a brief highlight of the peak in an outro that fades out almost in sequence with the intro, just in reverse. Hmm, I didn't notice that part. I'm gonna have to, uh, you know, I think I'm going to have to go back and listen to that now just to kind of see if I catch that. Yeah, it's interesting, man. I, I caught it right away. I thought it was a cool way to end the track. You know, almost, like I said, almost the same way it starts, just in reverse. Hmm. And see, that's exactly why I need you on this podcast, because it's stuff like that I just sometimes totally miss. <laughs> uh, yeah, besides all my stumbling and shit. <laughs> ah, that's okay, man. Hey, you know, with all the editing we do, no one will ever know. No one will I ever know. know. I mean, Which is great. You know, it... You would never know how much uh, the two of us actually have to retake some of this shit uh, based on uh, the uh, you know final cut that a lot or you know that everyone gets to hear. So yeah, let's not uh, let's, not, let's not dwell on it. It's no big deal, man. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and let's move on. The next two tracks we're going to be listening to today are Sortie Mission Briefing, which is the one we ended the last podcast with, and the Prologue theme. So let's go ahead and listen to those two and be right back.
That was Sortie Mission and Briefing that we heard first there. And there's that hard-hitting percussion again. Follow it with some really powerful strings and horns, and you've got me in. That violin section 39 seconds in is just... Man, I love the violin. <laughs> just that sweeping feel it can do when used correctly. It just gets me in this track every time. I love how after it goes away, we get this repeating scale that builds up. And the electronic stuff in the back of that is really something that sticks with me. But there's a sound there that really stuck out at about a minute and 20 in. It sounds like an air horn. It feels a bit out of place. It's not going to ruin this track for me, though. There's so many elements in this thing that I just love. There's even some use of nearly like horror or video game, horror movie sounding violins that are in the background and not very obvious in parts. I sent this out on this on the last episode because I really love it, and it does this blending of electronic and natural instrumentation so well. This is the sort of stuff that just speaks to me. Well, you know what? This one actually reminds me of the main theme. but not sure why, but it does. Oh, there's definitely some elements of it, that's for sure. That must be it. <laughs> you know, the fast percussion section that kicks in a little, uh, it is a little more noticeable, so uh, that really helps add flavor to the mix before receding behind the background. I think the decision to add electronic instrumentation to the mix was a smart decision, and I'll be honest, that's really all that's keeping me in tune with this track. I'm not saying they're all bad. I'm not saying this track's bad, just not what I'm used to listening to. Okay. Yeah, this one, I could definitely see our tastes sort of diverging on our opinions on this one. This is definitely more up my alley with some kind of weird powerful percussion and some electronic stuff mixed in there i i think that's definitely more my style than yours yeah definitely yeah I, i'm going for you know i i enjoy the fast leads and super hot licks and judas priest and dio and, and all that other crap <laughs> so hearing yeah. this kind of throws me off balance you know but i like it it's it's good i just got to figure out what to say <laughs> it, that sort of stuff is hard to talk about i'm i'm not going to lie and say that I feel like I can talk about it because, you know, my notes for this one are a little bit more sparse than they were for the main theme. And I like this track more than the main theme itself. So it's sort of just one of those things of like, I think that's definitely like a weakness we both have is knowing how to talk specifically about like electronic music, mm -hmm. you know, or orchestral stuff is a little bit easier because there's sections you can talk about, even if you don't know the instrument specifically. And like I said, but the electronic stuff, like, I feel like a real dum-dum trying to talk about it when I don't know, like, you know, it's like, oh, well, what kind of keyboard are they using for this stuff? Or, you know, just sort of like, like, like drop in sounds or something mm -hmm. like that. Like, that's the stuff I don't know how to reference or point out. I just can sort of point out sounds and I'm like, okay, this kind of does this note wise and I like what it's doing. But beyond that, I don't have the vocabulary I need to really effectively get across what I like about electronic stuff a lot of the times, you know? Yeah, yeah I completely understand. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and let's go to something that's probably maybe a little bit more uh, something up our alley that we can talk about, <laughs> and that is the prologue. Um, I'm going to highlight this one because it's got such a hard-hitting percussion track throughout it. It would probably be fairly forgettable if it wasn't for that, but it got my attention because of it. I love the choral arrangement that kicks in about a minute and 12 in. It's powerful enough to get your attention, but it is maybe like three quarters of the way up front. The percussion is something we'll be talking about throughout the soundtrack a lot. And this track more or less personifies percussion taking a track that's completely competent and then smacks you in the face, take a shot, to keep your attention. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I was liking this one until that reoccurring dun sound started. <laughs> okay. 
it reminds me of like a character select screen, you know, when you're scrolling through them to see which one you want. <laughs> okay. Every time you uh, land on them, you hear that. Dun, 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 dun. And not in every game, but most of the games that I played. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I'm gonna throw a guess out there and say the composer was possibly going for that hard to follow, unexpecting turn sound. The only reason this one is sort of easy to grasp and follow is because the vocals that are thrown in give you a sense of timing. Same with the horn sections. It, it's an interesting track. It's really it's it's fun to follow. Like I said, that uh that sound man just throws me off. I can completely understand that. I, I think I definitely lean a little bit more he- um, heavily as far as interest goes on percussion than you do. So that may have been why this one kind of got me a little bit more than you did. Yeah, possibly. Or than it did you. It's Jeez, probably yeah, just a bad maybe. memory of a shitty game back in the day. <laughs> maybe something like that. <laughs> uh, or just remembering the opening sequence to this game, basically, or something like that. You know, like, okay, well, whatever. I mean, like I said, going back to it, it's, it's not a pleasant experience. So... <laughs> Uh, but anyway, let's go ahead and let's move on to the next two tracks we're going to be covering here. Uh, next two are First Encounter, Acred Battle, and after that, Battle on the Bridge. And that is not Battle on the Big Bridge, the you know Final Fantasy V track. It's just a uh, very, very similar name to that. So let's, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's not get those two confused there. Anyway, we'll listen to those two.
Alright, that first track was First Encounter, A Grid Battle, and again, more powerful percussion. We get some drums this time on top of the metallic sound that's been in a lot of this so far. The strings 28 seconds in do the scaling measure where they scale up, stay quiet for a few seconds, kick back in at the same note they ended on, and then scale their way back down. That really got me paying attention to it. The percussion just really hammering on this one throughout could be a little too much for some people, but there's so much variety in the instruments used that it's definitely something I want to listen to. Now, I'll be honest, man. I like this one. It matches its title perfectly. And Whew, you had me worried for a second there. <laughs> this will really shape the, the gameplay emotionally, and I also feel this track will keep anyone on their toes. That level of intensity does not change either. It lasts till the end of the loop. This is what I'd want to hear during an enemy encounter. Yeah, the I guess they, I think I call them bugs, if I'm remembering right, in this game too. But just like these gigantic, like, you know, insectoid type things. And just having this like kind of heart-hitting percussion, I think, is sort of almost emblematic of them. Hmm. Is sort of just the thing I kind of dig about this soundtrack. And sort of any of the music they use when... Um, the acrid kind of pop up and there's something thematically going with that track. You know, there's a lot of like random encounters with smaller versions of them, but, but when you encounter larger ones and they have sort of their own themes, they typically do lean a little bit heavily on the, on this percussive type sound on this. And that's really what I dig about the soundtrack so much is the acrid don't have a theme specifically, but there is a sound that's thematic to them. Hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. I like that. It's pretty cool. There's, like I said, it's not something I really caught on until I was, I don't want to even say taking the notes until I finished the notes. Basically, I started like looking them back over and I was like, you know, I'm really commenting real hard on the um, on the percussive stuff when it's something that's relating to an acrid fight. And then I was like, oh, wait. So I started kind of going through a couple of the tracks we're not covering today. And I was like, ah, OK, I think that's what's going on there is that's sort of thematic of the acrid. It's not in all of them, but I would say in most of the tracks there, there's there's a lot of that theme stuff going on there. So it's kind of a cool way of building a theme that doesn't have a specific structure, but you can sort of lean on to for everything when you're dealing with the acrid, basically. Yeah, I like that, man. That's really cool. Very cool. All right, let's go ahead and move on to not Battle on the Big Bridge, but Battle on the Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, every time I saw that, I was like, did I, did I get that wrong? Because that's a pretty famous like Final Fantasy track. And I was like, it's like Jason, it's a fairly generic title. Just move on. <laughs> Anyway, Battle on the Bridge, and man, the contrasting strings that kick this one off really had me right away. Uh, Christofferson throws in some electronic stuff a few seconds in to keep things a little bit more interesting, and once the build-up gets to the main part of the track 36 seconds in, some choral work is thrown in, giving a little bit more of a sense of dread. The deeper strings in this one gives me a little bit of that Jaws theme vibe. Maybe there's something that that theme taught me to feel. I hear that sound, and Dread just sort of takes over me. This one is a little bit slower than you probably imagine it would be based on the title. It never really explodes the way you think it would, but I can appreciate this one's ability to build tension. Yeah, well, it's another one I like. The amount of rhythm this one has uh, sets it apart from what we've heard so far, and when it finally kicks in, dude, it hits pretty damn hard. It just seems to flow because of the string section that rolls in. I don't have too much more to say, I, but I'm digging it. I like it. Yeah, it's one of those ones that I think is a little bit... It's not that hard to talk about. It's just... It's fairly simple, but it does a very good job in what it's set out to do. Yeah, exactly. It's a really cool track, and like I said, it's... Man, I don't know about those deep strings, though, man. I, I don't know if maybe that's of a generation where I hear that 
and it triggers something in me, almost like primal fear <laughs> to a point, huh. just because of the Jaws theme, you know what I mean? <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, it's weird. It just sort of sets off like just a thing of unease when I listen, when I hear that sound. So it's it's a strange thing, and I'm, I'm sure it's got to be generational. Where like your generation might not catch it because Jaws was you know long, long out of the zeitgeist and not really that scary or suspenseful. Once you once you see it, it I, I'm, I'm gonna be honest. I don't feel Jaws has really held up over the years. It's there's a lot you could trim out of that movie and. It could be a lot more interesting if you did, but I, I could get crucified for saying that. So I'm just going to go ahead and move on and uh, we'll move on to the next few tracks. How's that sound? Sounds good to me. <laughs> All right. First up, we've got Battle with Basil. And then after that, we've got the Queen Battle. So let's listen to those. And
All right, here we go. Now we've got some serious percussion right out of the gate. That'll get your blood pumping. A female vocalist pops in for a bit with a male vocal very quietly in the background, adding a great contrast that is really easy to miss. And I say that because I miss the hell out of it the first couple times I listened to this thing. Hmm. I don't think I caught that. Yeah, it's just a nice little contrasting thing. Like you've got to listen very closely to the female vocal, but in, in parts of it, it's not throughout all of it, but say like two-thirds of it, there's a male in the background very, very quietly sort of adding a little bit of contrast to the notes that the female vocalist is putting out. It's it's a really nice effect that, like I said, is subtle as shit. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I have to listen back to it. Yeah, for sure. All right, uh, there's also a bit of like radio chatter sound in the background in parts that also adds a bit of a weird flavor that I'm not entirely sure is necessary, but I kind of appreciate it. A minute and 32 in, we get a 12-second breakdown where the percussion just gets to go nuts for a bit, and I really do love the intensity on this one. It's not something you listen to when you're wanting passive music. The use of percussion in this also makes me think of the 2004 version of Battlestar Galactica. It's sort of got that same sort of tribal vibe to it that Bear McCreary uses in that show. There may have been some influence, but that's fine. It's just a vibe that's similar, and you're not going to be hearing this one on one of our Walter Murphy Files episodes or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, this is de- a definite change of pace. Uh, percussions just keep rolling out that fast rhythm. But, you know, this one seems a little too scattered for my liking. I think that there's just too much going on. Uh, maybe too many different sounds popping off at the same time. Or it could just be that time of day when my brain has a hard time following faster stuff like this. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> It could also be that percussion. Like I said, this is definitely more my taste, I think, than yours. <laughs> That's true. Huh. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? Like I said, I like this one a lot. It's just it just boils down to a matter of taste. Like I said, I I definitely lean more heavily mm-hmm. on the percussive stuff than you do, for that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. No, that makes sense. All right, let's go ahead and let's move on to the Queen battle. And man, that intro, it makes me think of that THX sound effect a bit. It just gets you ready for a really intense experience. Percussion is just on point on this with some tribal chanting stuff that just sells the hell out of it. I'd almost say that most of this track is percussion, and I think I've probably said enough about how I feel about percussion in general that you get the idea that I'm okay with that. (laughs) It's an incredibly intense piece of music that's just the right fit for an intense fight against one of the biggest acreds you're going to find. Well, shit. This one seems to be just as fast, but it's easier for me to follow. Unfortunately, I don't have a lot to say here. I will say this, though. This track really does set the mood. Seems like it may sound better uh, with some type of visual scene, I guess you could say, in front of you. Mm-hmm. Actual gameplay. It's, I, maybe that's why I'm having such a hard time writing for this. I've never really played the game that much, so it's really hard for me to understand what's going on. Basically going off of the music itself. Yeah, and... I totally understand that. I didn't play Lost Planet that that much. I got maybe two-thirds, three-quarters of the way through it and just sort of fell off of it for whatever reason. I spent way too long on this one, like, optional boss fight for an achievement. It's just this gigantic worm that comes out of the middle of, like, a gigantic snowfield. And I got hung up on that for a few days because I I wanted to kill it for the achievement. And it seems like a real dumb reason to get stuck on something. But this was, you know, the (laughs) mid-2000s where achievement hunting was just super popular. And I was hard, hardcore on doing that. So this was just one of those things like, God damn it, no, I'm getting this fucking achievement. (laughs) It's like, hey, man, what's your gamer score? Uh, Two million? uh, It's like a hundred and... That's nothing. I think think, think we had like a hundred and seventy (laughs) thousand It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a lot of crap in there, though. So, uh, yeah, it's nothing, <sighs> nothing really to boast about these days. But, yeah. 
It's better than mine. Uh, you know, is it? Is it? I mean, you you played what you wanted. I played a lot of shit that I shouldn't have, so I don't know. Well, I spent a lot of time playing Halo. Yeah, see. <laughs> so there. I didn't really get too many achievements on any other games. Yeah, yeah. Whereas uh, you don't have the Hannah Montana game on your uh, gamer profile for the rest of your <laughs> life. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, boy oh boy uh, the things I used to do anyway oh man so uh, yeah like I said there's a lot to us planet where playing it's definitely going to supplement the way you feel about the music maybe a little bit more but it's been so long since I've been through this game it's got I mean it's well well over 10 years at this point since I've really played this thing in earnest I mean I messed around with it a little bit over the last few days, but that's about it. I mean, I probably put maybe an hour into it, so it's not like I really, I don't know, it's not like I really got the full experience, but I think it just sort of triggered a little bit of memories in there where I got a little bit of that sort of like retroactive experience in there, you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. So, all right, let's go ahead and let's move on to the next two tracks we're going to cover, and the first one is the Pale-Eyed Giant Green Eye, just, yeah. That is a hell of a... I, had, I love it. I went back... It. Shut up, Dominic. I'm the one who has to say that thing multiple times, so shut up. <laughs> Damn it. I went back and looked and had to make sure I got that title right, like, multiple times. I'm like, am I... Did I write that down right? Wait, so it's a pale-eyed giant green eye. Right, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's just... Yeah. Having having eye in something in there, like, twice is like, uh, did I get that right? Yeah, it's so, kind of weird. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, it's... There's there's a monster called the Green Eye, and this one's pale eyed, and it's giant. So, yeah. <sighs> anyway, yeah. So there's two adjectives to that, and one of them is referred to its eye color, and its name is an eye color. So it's like, okay, I just oh, fuck. Anyway, <laughs> it'd make more sense to me if it were, uh, you know, the pale eyed giant Green Eye. That, 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 that's what it is. It's the pale eyed. I thought it was yeah. a pale eyed giant. Oh, the paled. I thought I thought it was a pale-eyed giant, not the. Oh yeah, it's it's the yeah. Oh, uh. well, I don't know what I'm talking about then. Hey, you know what? Either way, I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense. So <laughs> it is entirely too cumbersome to read, and we're getting way too hung up on the title. <laughs> so, uh, oh yeah, we haven't even listened to it yet. Anyway, so we'll listen to uh, the pale-eyed giant green eye and battle at the dam. Okay, thank God that was easy. Anyway, we'll go ahead and listen to those two and be right back. <laughs>
All right, the pale-eyed giant <laughs> green eye. Uh, anyway, <laughs> all right. If my memory serves me, this is the piece of the music that plays when you fight the giant acrid green eye. Wayne believes this thing is responsible for his father's death, so the showdown with this thing is fairly personal. The track really sells that fact with its use of chanting and hard-hitting percussion. It throws in the main theme for a few seconds here and there to really hammer that point home as well. The vocals are really well placed, shifting between chanting and harmonizing with the instruments going on. It's got everything it needs to be a perfect track to accompany a rather pivotal moment in the game. You know, this track really sounds like a boss battle tune. It's just full of that epic sound. Pretty much lets you know this is do or die. I'm enjoying that subtle chanting in the back of certain sections of the track overall, though. In fact, the vocals make the track to me. Sort of reminds me of uh, Skyrim. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, yeah, we'll talk about that later. (laughs) But yeah, it really does add a little something to this thing that I think is sort of lacking otherwise there. And I think doing a little bit, like, little, let's say a few, like, measures of the main theme kind of thrown in there just to sort of, like, get you thinking about it again. And that this isn't the end of the game, but this is sort of, like, Wayne's revenge, basically. The thing that he believes killed his father, he's going after it and taking it out, basically. It sort of makes... Hmm. It it circles back around to that vibe, if that makes sense. It makes sense. So, I don't know if you mentioned this before. If you did, I didn't catch it. Wayne, he... That is the main character, right? Right, right. Yeah. It is a real, real generic name. And uh, Wayne is also, like, portrayed by, I believe, a Korean actor. So, just hearing people call him Wayne, and he... Does not look like a Wayne at all. I mean, oh, that makes sense to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's real, real weird. <laughs> so, no, it really makes sense to me. <laughs> but yeah, that's um, that was why. Like, I think the second track we covered is Wayne's theme. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, it's just Wayne is not a name I think of when I think of like a hero for a video game. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just reminds me of Wayne's World. Swing, swing. <laughs> Yeah, that was. I was thinking that, and I was like, I don't know if I want to bring that up, but don't you? Okay, good. So that's two of us. That's that's uh, that's making us think that. So okay, well, there we go. Yeah, Wayne. I'm not really thinking. Uh, I'm not really thinking. You know, badass taking out these gigantic bugs. I'm thinking guy who lives in his mom's basement. It does a you know public TV show. Oh man, a public access TV show in his basement with his best friend. So yeah. <sighs> anyway, let's go ahead and let's. Uh... Oh yeah, yeah, you, you did talk about that one. We spent so much time lingering on the last uh, or the last segment on its name that I kind of forgot if we actually talked about it. <laughs> it just sort of already <laughs> left my head. Jeez, eh, real dumb, Jason. Real, real dumb. Anyway, uh, let's go ahead and let's move on to Battle at the Dam. The intro to this one makes me think of Metal Gear for a bit. Convenient, since as I mentioned before, Christofferson ended up composing the Metal Gear Rising soundtrack about six years later. About a minute and thirty in, it slows down and gives you a bit to sort of like catch your breath. What I appreciate about this part is the slow buildup that starts at about two minutes and three seconds in and sort of takes its time to get back into the intense sounding part. It's really done well by slowly throwing sections back in to build the sound back up over the course of the 40 second buildup. It borders on being a little too long of a buildup, but I think it just barely avoids crossing that line. You know, I'm noticing just about all the tracks up to this point are severely similar. Could possibly be why I'm having such a hard time coming up with things to say about them. Luckily, I have you here. In fact, I'm really enjoying what you're saying about the tracks. I, you know, you're catching a lot of stuff I'm not catching, which is surprising. I think a lot of it just has to do with it. This is more my type of music than yours, you know what I mean? Yeah, once again. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's what it really boils down to, is if it's something that you're into just more naturally, 
and more inclined to listen to you on its own, you're going to start picking up stuff that maybe you wouldn't pick up otherwise. Like, a lot of, like, the harder rock, heavy metal stuff you listen to, like, I'll hear it, and I kind of hear it as a whole, but I won't be able to pick up the minutia of it, because it's not my thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I completely understand. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. So I think it's, I think it's really all it boils down to is in these tracks is that is a lot of this stuff is sort of stuff I'm more inclined to listen to on its own. So it sort of makes it a little bit easier for me to pull apart stuff and catch stuff that you might not be catching. And I'm pulling it apart a little bit more just because I'm like, I like this and there's something at this part that I like. And then I'll listen to it a little bit harder and go back to like the track as a whole again and listen to it again. And it's like, oh, I see what it's doing there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, it makes perfect sense. So yeah, I think again, it all just boils down to taste and you know, we're going to have episodes where I like something a little bit more than you do. You like something a little bit more than I do. And it's just, one of us is going to have a little bit more to say than the other one on this stuff. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> Unfortunately, since I pick most of the stuff and uh, that's most of the time it's me, but uh, yeah, whatever, I guess. Uh, it works so. with me. I don't mind getting cool. your new stuff all the time. <laughs> yeah. For me, a lot of this is revisiting, or even sometimes I just kind of throw something out there and like, let's see what I can find that I haven't heard before. So, you know, this is this is one of those ones that I haven't listened to in years, and I just, for whatever reason, got it up, you know, got a hair up my butt that I wanted to listen to the Lost Planet soundtrack. So it was kind yeah. of nice coming back to it, you know? Yeah, this was random, actually. <laughs> was not expecting this. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm going to be honest, I don't think I was either. <laughs> so... All right, speaking of uh, not expecting something, uh, we're, we're at the end here. So let's go ahead and let's wrap up the last two tracks we're going to listen to. First up is the Orbital Elevator Attack, Gale's theme, and the ending track. So listen to those two and wrap up the episode.
first up was Orbital Elevator Attack Gale's theme, and I love the horn section that kicks up in about 15 seconds in. That sound mixed in with the percussion used in this always leads me to like a bit of a triumphant moment that might be mixed in with a bit of tragedy. This one is definitely more mellow than most of the stuff we listen to in the rest of the soundtrack, but I wanted to highlight something that, that was a bit more mellow. I don't want to highlight the stuff that just smacks you in the face, second shot of the day, throughout, and I really dig this one, even if I don't have as much to say about it as I did a lot of the other tracks. Well, I think you summed this one up pretty well. <laughs> Definitely have some mixed emotions uh, with this track. Really not a whole lot to mention here besides that. Yep. Man, I'm starting to think that if for some reason someone has me on their little show to be interviewed, well, it probably wouldn't go so well. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't worry about it, man. Like I said, there's a good person that might interview you is going to work around like stuff you want to talk about. I mean, like I said, for me, this is like this was my pick soundtrack wise. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it was a lot easier for me to pick out stuff to talk about. No, I'm, I'm, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. So if I was to, oh, geez, I'm trying to think. Um, like, say we went over like a Devil May Cry soundtrack, which is very like heavy metal. I think you'd probably be more apt to pull that apart and i'd be kind of like yeah the guitar in this thing really shreds <laughs> do, 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 and that's all i got baby <laughs> you know what i mean yeah it'd be a lot easier for me to dissect that's for sure yeah <laughs> maybe that's something we should talk about off the air then maybe uh we'll do, talk about some devil may cry stuff and figure out a way mm. to get that in so you can have a little bit more to see <laughs> than my ass uh, all right let's go ahead and let's wrap this thing up with the ending net track and we kind of wrap this episode up basically where we started. The main thing comes back into play here, and it's done really well. We've talked about this in other episodes, but I really like the tracks that have that victory but at what cost feel to them, and this one is exactly that. Throwing in some heart for the first time with the big horns really taking you down an emotional journey is something I can get behind. The string section does a great job as the backing section throughout and just sells the hell out of this thing. I love it when a theme is brought back, and it's obvious enough it's there without hitting you over the head with it. You know, to me, the harp has to be one of the most emotional instruments, but I think you can only go so far with one. That's where the horns and percussions, along with the, the other set of strings, come into play. Music created with these particular instruments tend to be the most well-rounded and emotional tracks you'll ever hear. And I'd like to say this is the best way to wrap up an episode. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and agree with you, man. I... I really like the way this one sounds. It's it's really just it really takes you on a journey of emotions when you're listening to this thing. Even if you don't have any context at all, like I don't, for what the ending or what happens in the ending, you get a vibe and probably a good sense of there was something that happened that probably wasn't for the best or wasn't oh, yeah. Yeah, or yeah, basically it was a victory about at what cost. Like for the grand scheme of things, everything turned out well, but maybe there was some sort of like hidden cost to it that just yeah. didn't play out so well. Yeah. Well, you do know Wayne dies, right? No, I didn't know that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I have no idea. It actually Something. wouldn't actually wouldn't surprise me, man. I mean, it, it, it's an early, you know, it's a mid two thousands Capcom game, probably. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, probably, huh? <laughs> uh, and at this point, I don't think anyone's really worried about the plot to Lost Planet. So, <laughs> uh, all right. So, what I was talking about at the beginning of the episode that I said we'd rope back around to was basically this kind of discussion here. I want to have all in all, I like this one a lot. I really enjoy the main theme for Lost Planet, and. We've talked about this stuff off the air before, but Dominic and I want to cover more orchestral stuff, but the problem we've bumped into is some of it just doesn't have the hooks you need for it to stick out in your head. 
Take Skyrim, for instance. There's over three and a half hours of music in that thing, and I can't really think of a single piece of it outside of Dragonborn. And that largely has to do with the male vocals in there just being so powerful. I think the Lost Planet soundtrack, when not using the theme, is good, but I've got a harder time remembering it. Using that main theme really brings things back around for me, giving me a hook or a melody to kind of latch on to. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, I think I've said this before, but music that is written like this typically boosts your visual impression of the game. Yeah. So you're not exactly listening to the music. It's just boosting the gameplay. It's really, it's not really meant to be listened to. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's to fill space in the background while you enjoy the game that's being played. In theory, it's not bad music, but you need to know how a lot of music theory to understand and know how to dissect music like this. Yeah. And this is something else I wanted to sort of do as just a, maybe a primer as to why maybe we were not going to do a lot of more current orchestral stuff, because video game music, for me, a lot of it just has to do with just being hooky, you know what I mean? There's got to be something there for me to latch on to, and I think the sort of, not recycling, but the reusing of the main theme in a lot of these tracks really helps, because that main theme is really catchy, and it's... It is very clearly a video game track, so it always kind of makes me loop back to it. But, you know, you and I were talking about this one day. We were trying to come up with some stuff, but listening to the Skyrim soundtrack, I think there's, like, thing something, that, like, a track that plays, like, during, like, a morning sequence or something like that. It's very, like, fluttery is the best way I can put it. But beyond that, you know, like I said, I spent 100 hours maybe playing that game when it came out. And outside of Dragonborn, you know, that just the, the big male chanting thing of the Dovahkiin thing and everything, I can't remember a goddamn track in that thing. And, you know, you spend 100 hours in a game and not being able to remember anything but the title sequence music, like, it's, or not even the title, it's just the, just the title splash screen track. It kind of says a lot about just not being a hook. It's good supplementary music. Listening to it on its own, it's nice background stuff, but it's not something that I'm going to kind of like really like go out of my way to listen to. Like, say, like some of the parts of Lost Planet I really like, and I'll listen to it just because I like that stuff. Whereas some of the other stuff in Lost Planet, I kind of feel like is just background music. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, I hate to say it, but there's almost no hook yeah. to these tracks, which is fine. Like I said, it's, I, I believe they're designed that way. I believe that, like I said, you were. They're composed this way to enhance your your gameplay. That's yeah. basically it. You know, unless you really know music and can really dissect this stuff, because there's something there. I just don't know how to go about it. I don't know. You know, there's I'm lost when it comes to this type of stuff. I wouldn't even know where to start. Yeah, and I think that's something you and I will maybe we'll get a little better at as we get, as we keep going with this thing. If we do do some stuff like with some orchestration in there, it's weird that like this and say like Batten Kaidos, there's a lot of, I don't want to say like same instrumentation, but there's a lot of like stuff in there that you think about it. It's all like natural instrumentation and stuff, but it's more rock oriented. But even the stuff that is more like, you know, leads more heavily on an orchestra. It sort of does lend itself to being more catchy. And I don't know if that has to do with Matoy Sakuraba's style of composing versus like, say, uh, you know, Jamie Christofferson, who we just talked, or, you know, who composed the Lost Planet soundtrack. It's, there's some parts of it that are memorable for sure, but it does definitely sound like it is more a, a literal soundtrack, something that you are supposed to absorb while you're playing the game and maybe not so much listen to at the 
you know, on its own, basically. Mm -hmm. Well, I believe the way he composes his music, uh, well, I, I think he designed these tracks to push out emotion, which he did very well. I mean, they're emotionally driven, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, as far as them being, you know, songs that you'd listen to, you know, on, on the way to work or something. I, I don't think that's exactly what he intended. Yeah. I, like I said, it was, I believe there was a design behind all of this and there's a reason why it came out like this as well. I agree. I think there's, I think there's something to be said be, that Christopherson hasn't done too much video game music, but he's done a lot of like TV and movies, I think. So hmm. I think coming from that to this has definitely sort of like affected the way the soundtrack is as a whole. Like I said, I like the soundtrack quite a bit and that main theme is super catchy, but there's not something there for me to latch onto quite the way there is like, say like with Batten Kaidos or whatever, and never mind like, you know, the chiptune type stuff where it's really just melody. It's just, you know, up, you know, to the umpteenth degree. Yeah. Let's put it this way. It's completely different than, you know, your typical Mega Man X OST. Yeah, for sure. For <laughs> Designed sure. completely differently. So, I don't want to say that's going to be a reason why we're probably not going to do a whole, whole hell of a lot of like orchestral stuff, but that might be the reason why you might not hear us, hear us talk about it too, too much because for both Dominic and I, like I have to find something that I'm going to latch onto as far as the orchestration goes. Some of the stuff is so heavily like percussion based and that stuff like I like, and I can start pulling it apart from there if there's a hook that grabs me, but this isn't the type of stuff that Dominic really is into. So it's sort of a little bit harder for him. And that, again, that's, no fault of either mine or his, it just boils down to, we listen to this stuff and we absorb it and sort of pull it apart based on our own musical tastes. And, mm -hmm. you know, Dominic and I have very wildly different tastes in music outside of video game music. So, you know, we, we have a nice, like, back and forth as far as strengths go. But, unfortunately, we also have a little bit of the same weaknesses in some parts. So, <laughs> unless, uh, you know, if, if we've got somebody who's like, you know, write symphonies and stuff, we'd be more than happy to have you on and you can talk about us, or talk about that stuff with us, because, man, oh man, we... Like I said, I, I don't want to not <laughs> cover some of these soundtracks, but I feel like if we do them, it would be a lot of us like, hey, this is really cool here, and I like the instrumentation, and then we move on to the next one and say the same thing and sort of loop that conversation around and around. Yeah. You know, if you guys want to hear it, we'll definitely cover it, and we'll figure out what to say. We'll definitely figure out a better way of dissecting these tracks. It's just, damn, they are so different than, you know, your typical six feet under track or, you know, uh, Cannibal Corpse. I mean, it's it's completely di different than the stuff that I'm used to listening to. Yeah. And to dissect this stuff seems impossible for me. <laughs> I think you could figure it out if you sat down and really thought about it. I, I'm pretty sure you could. I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit there. But if you did want us to cover some orchestral stuff and wanted to make us do it, how could you do that, you may ask? Well, if you go to patreon.com slash gamesandjunk, you can go over there, and for $15, you can actually request an episode from us, and, you know, barring it just being, like, you know, nothing but, like, this weird, like, crazy string section thing without any hook or whatever, uh, we'll definitely cover it, and we'll figure out a smart way to talk about it. Um, <laughs> lower tiers than that, probably a little bit more reasonable, are the $5 tier, which will get you a shout-out, so I want to shout-out to Vanessa, John, Alex Messenger, and Gustav for supporting the podcast, and that will also get you this show in a higher quality audio feed, it will get you the full episodes of our dream events, um, I've been putting teasers out there in the main feed, but if you want to listen to this episode and the, um, the bonus episodes we do, which is the dream events, those two come in higher quality audio tracks through the Patreon feed, and you also get those early. I've, I got a couple of them up early this week um, as of, you know, we're recording this. I'm probably going to get this one up early, too, just because we're 
we're looking down the barrel of a very big project that we're trying to get out. Uh, what is it like the third week of April or of uh, October? So we're trying to start. So we're trying to get a little bit ahead of the game here with that. So yeah. So if you want these episodes early, that's a good way to go about it. And let me tell you, getting them early is going to be a big help because let's just say there's going to be multiple episodes that sort of hit about the same time, um, the third week of October. So. If you don't like uh, podcasts getting, getting in your backlog, very, very, you know, backed up, basically, uh, that might be a way to go <laughs> for you. <laughs> but anyway, um, that'll about wrap up everything there. So as far as the usual plugs go, you can follow the podcast at Robico Podcast. You can follow me at Jason Ariola, and you can follow Dominic. You can follow me at Dominic Shred. And the next episode we're going to be doing uh, outside of the Dream Event is going to be something we haven't done in a long time. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun for us. And I think particularly for Dominic, this is going to be a fun one. So I'll leave it at that. And we'll leave you with the usual teaser at the end. And I think barring any disasters in scheduling, um, we're going to be doing something, like I said, we haven't done in a long, long time on this podcast. So look forward to it. And until then, we will talk to you guys next time. (laughs) 